0: Uh, Party on, Sal! Rock on, rock on! Well, welcome, fellow Party on Johncasters. Welcome to another episode of the Party on Johncast uh, podcast, where we talk about music, coffee, whatever we're drinking, and more.
1: Sounds like uh, sounds, sounds like, like a, a fun time. time.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm Reverend Sal Marco, an ordained Presbyterian uh, teaching elder working in the validated ministry of chaplaincy in the Presbytery of Newton.
1: And I'm Johnny, always on the spot. Uh, No. I'm uh, Todd. (laughs) I uh, am an ordained elder uh, serving here in the Greater New Jersey Conference of the United Methodist Church, uh, Mm -hmm. and I serve a lovely congregation here in Newton on higher ground from Sal. It's the
0: only higher ground
1: I give them. Amen. Aside from divine providence. (laughs) It was preordained. <laughs> okay, so I think this rightly kicks off our next episode, the the, the episode you've all been awaiting for. Uh, so before we get into what we're talking about today, let's go to our Hebrews segment.
0: How do you know that God loves coffee? How? Because he wrote about it in the
1: book of Hebrews. What Awesome. Every time. <laughs> Every time. Every
0: time. That was preordained.
1: Just when you think you've gotten tired of that, Never. it comes back again. Never. Awesome. So, what are we drinking here today, Sal? Do we, do we, uh, do we say?
0: <laughs> we, uh, we, well, you know, when you when you forget to plan your coffee for the for the podcast, you you make do. So we uh, we stopped at Dunkin' Donuts on the way back to my office here in Newton. And uh, I am drinking a large iced French vanilla with
1: skim milk. milk. (laughs) With with hardly any skim milk. With hardly any skim milk, so... Uh, Yes. Does that count as vegan? No, probably not. Uh, No, but it is uh, probably nine-tenths of the way there. (laughs) Yes. Um, And I am drinking just your plain run-of-the-mill Dunkin' Donuts hot black coffee. Um, And... All right. How to be candid about this? Um, well, first off, you, start off about your coffee. How's your coffee you sell? You can and you did. <laughs>
0: um, now my Dunkin' Donuts uh, iced coffee is your run-of-the-mill French vanilla. It's pretty, you know, not much you can say about it flavor-wise. I mean, um, they've gotten better at not giving me the giving me the
1: French swirl, which is just 200 calories of sugar. It's grotesque. The swirls um, are grotesque. Yeah. Um, so. And I'm not just saying that because I'm vegan. But, um, okay, so l- let me put this in this sense. You like Tim Hortons, right? I do like Tim Hortons. Do you need Tim Hortons to be flavored? I do not. Or do you like their coffee just as is? I like
0: their coffee as is, whereas Duncan, it needs to be flavored. There you go. <laughs> there um, you have it, folks. <laughs> um, they have a they have a consistent taste, and that's burnt.
1: Ah, uh, it, it, They always burn their coffee. Like Starbucks has that burnt feel to it, that bitterness, uh, but that is intentional in the way they roast the beans, not because they over brewed their coffee.
0: Yes. Uh, they overbrew it, and I'm sure that the, the iced coffee sits there all day. So, uh,
1: Yeah, well, one time I had a, a cold brew from, from Dunkin' Donuts, and I swear to God, I swear on my mother's— well, I can't swear on my mother's grave because she's still alive, and I want to keep her that way. Um, but I swear on my—I uh, swear to God. We'll just put it there. I swear to God that I took a sip of that cold brew, and it tasted like it had been, like it had been stored with sweaty gym socks stuck into it. Yep. It was the grossest thing I've ever had, and I, I literally, <clears throat> literally scarred me from Dunkin' Donuts cold brew for quite a time. Though today I had it, and it was, it was okay. It was okay.
0: <clears throat> now, in contrast, on the aisle, last night, ran out of coffee at home, so I stopped and got a, uh, well, a pound of coffee in the grocery store. Really isn't a pound of coffee. I don't think mm-hmm. it's like twelve ounces. Right. But I got a, a pound of uh, Starbucks caramel coffee. Mm. And like it's not over it smells delicious, but it's like taste-wise, it's not overpowered with caramel. and it's just nice and smooth. You know, you can make
1: it as strong as you want. It's going to taste smooth no matter how you do it. Folks, you have to understand this. Um, if you go north, you've got Tim Hortons. If you go west, you've got Starbucks. Heck, if you go south, you've got Starbucks. You come to middle Ameri- middle uh, the middle states uh, on the coast of, of uh, America, on the Atlantic coast, the middle states, and you get Dunkin'. And, like, in our town alone... In our town alone, you literally have three Dunkin' Donuts within within like a mile of each other. Mm-hmm. Like 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 we can't throw a Starbucks in there anywhere, folks. Like no. like it has to be Dunkin'. Um, now there is a great coffee shop that I think we're gonna record at sometime uh, right on Spring Street called Between the Bread. Shout out to Aaron and all the folks there. They rock. Um, their coffee's good, and I would rather go in and grab a coffee from there than grab Dunkin' Donuts. Um, it's just, but we got Dunkin' Donuts, so here we are, and I'm sure we're not making friends over at the Dunkin' Donuts headquarters. But, folks, you could do better. You could, you could do, do better. better with your coffee. Just saying.
0: Although they are they are now upping their game, so to speak. They now offer uh, espresso espresso drinks. That is good. Um, yes. So they're they're they realize they need to compete with Starbucks. Yeah.
1: And um, and aside from the aside from the, the the locations that do choose to throw sweaty gym socks into their cold brew. Um, I don't know if it's a thing, but it tasted like it was. Um, aside from that, uh, their cold brew is pretty decent. Their
0: cold brew is decent. Yeah. I mean, they're depending what you get. I mean, the issue with star- with Dunkin' Donuts is unlike Starbucks, which is a pretty much corporate ownership across the board. Wherever you go, it's a corporate store. Mm-hmm. Um, Dunkin' relies
1: on um, franchise franchise. So the consistency is not there. The consistency is not there. You, the, I can tell you right now, the, the Dunkin' Donuts in the Walmart in Hampton, which is just outside of Newton where we are, that Dunkin' Donuts consistently makes the best coffee. And they're owned by the same people, I believe, that own the one uh, the, in the Newton. Other, the other two yeah. locations in Newton. Uh, but, unfortunately, the one in Newton proper is not consistent. It, that's the one I got the dirty... Sweaty gym socks, uh, cold brew,
0: and I can brew Dunkin' at home, and it will come out consistently decent.
1: Decent, yeah, because you consistently make your coffee mm-hmm. consistently. Consistently. Uh, so anyway, uh, I think we've we we've, be- we've beaten them up enough as it is, and uh, yes, yes. The,
0: the point is, I will still I will still buy their coffee when I have to.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Coffee is coffee. Coffee is coffee. Um, so, and, and the coffee is serving the purpose of giving us something nice to drink while we discuss most excellent stuff with you, which by the way, brings us into our most excellent music segment, Christmas edition. Okay, so, um, yeah, so let me ask you, uh, I, Sal, what your, your choices are today. I will, and I think I just
0: gave away a hint of what our topic is for the day. I think you did. I think I did. Uh, my choices for today, um, I've got two of them, and they are uh, metal. Uh, the first uh, pick I have is from my go-to band of Phineas. Uh, they released back in 2013 as a standalone single um, an acoustic version of uh, O Come O Come Emmanuel. Mm. And uh, if you know the, the band Phineas and the singer's style, it's very throaty, very uh, guttural, yelling. Um, but he actually has a nice voice when he just sings. And it's got that guttural edge to it, but it's a very beautiful. Uh, rendition. So we'll we'll link. Uh, Not as
1: beautiful as you though, Sal.
0: Not just as saying. beautiful as me. No,
1: guys, uh, you don't know how awesome it is to sit across from the most beautiful Sal. That's uh,
0: <laughs> Allison would agree.
1: I know she would.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I just read an article that uh, they say that men with beards are more attractive.
1: Oh, so I've gone up in my uh, so you've attractiveness. Gone up you have. Awesome. My attractivity. <laughs>
0: uh so my other choice, which I think is even more beautiful, is uh Solid State Records, which is the record company that Phineas is signed to, as well as a band named Fit for a King. They're Christian heavy metal. Demon Hunter was on them though, I don't know if they are anymore. Um they were on. I don't think anymore, but they are they're uh they came out of Tooth and Nail, which is a big hard rock Christian Yeah label. Yeah. Uh, so, a couple years ago, they put out a, uh, mer- a Christmas compilation with, uh, at the time, their their major acts. And so, one of the songs is from Fit for a King. It's uh, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen.
1: Okay. And they still are. They still are on Solid, solid, are. St- solid State are. Tooth and Nail. Yep. yep. They still are. So, sorry. God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen.
0: Um, and they only... Um, it's the classic Christmas hymn that we all know. Uh, they only sing the first, the third, and the fith- fifth verse of the hymns. Uh, but And when I sh- when I sent this to Todd, he agreed that at the end, the final refrain is, you know, the usual, O tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Uh, and then the singer
1: screams of
0: comfort and joy. And it'll just shoot you right in the heart.
1: It's, I mean, it does. It really pierces your soul when um, you listen to it.
0: It gives a it gives a sense of when that the the idea of our comforter and our joy coming into the world, it really does give you that sense of that expectation and that hurt mm. of needing to be comforted um, by um, our savior.
1: Yeah. No. It it. Uh, it definitely does and I have to say like if you're into heavy metal and you want Christmas music that album is totally <laughs> up your alley totally uh, very impressed with it uh, thank you for sharing it so it's
0: the um it's off the uh, midnight clear is the uh, name of the compilation right
1: and as always, we'll have these things posted for you in our episode notes. So, um, rock on. Check it out. Yeah, check it out. So my uh, choices today are um, are unique, just like uh, Sal's were. Um, both uh, they're not metal per se, uh, but they are darker for sure. Definitely more like gothic, mm-hmm. dark. Um, but strangely, and especially this first uh, first choice, strangely traditional. Um, so my first choice comes from a, a an artist called Terya, I guess is how you pronounce her name. T-A-R-J-A. She's Finnish from Finland. And uh, my first run-in with her was when she was in a band called Nightwish. Uh, and I'll post a couple of their things. Like there's a really good song called... Uh, um, uh something about uh if if I forget the name of the song but I'll post it something about an angel um but uh she has these most like the this band itself Nightwish was like kind of this like heavy metal growling band um, but they could sing I mean they could carry a melody they're from Finland and she has the most beautiful operatic like tr- classically trained voice so you mix those two things together you have Nightwish okay. Taria, uh since, uh, has split from that band and is solo, and in 2017, she came up with um, an album called From Spirits and Ghosts, Score for a Dark Christmas, and I actually found it because I typed into Apple Music, Dark Christmas, and it came up, like, number one, so... Uh, it is the most hauntingly, and I think this is how you even called it, it's the most hauntingly beautiful Christmas album you've ever heard. And, and like, I, I, I couldn't even pick, a, honestly, a song. I mean, like, that I like the most out of it. Um, so I'll just tell you what's kind of on the album. Um, it starts off with "O oh Come, O oh Come, Emmanuel. Then there's an original song called Together, which makes me cry every time I hear it. Then there's We Three Kings, Deck the Halls. Oh my God, Deck the Halls is like it sounds like children singing like Deck the Halls, but not regular children, like ghost children, that are like like their echoes, their voice are is echoing down the hallway with this minor off key like Deck the Halls. It's beautiful but chilling at the same time. Um, And you definitely recognize Deck the Halls. It's not like completely unrecognizable. It's definitely that song. Then it goes into, strangely, p a s -S u, and followed by Amazing Grace. Then it goes to O Tannenbaum, which is O Christmas Tree. Uh, Then Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. God rest ye merry gentlemen. I love her version, which the next song, I love her version of Feliz Navidad, where she slows it down. I mean, it just gives you a whole, it, it gives a whole different meaning to that song, the way she plays it. Um, and then What Child Is This? And concludes with We Wish You a Merry Christmas. The most amazing thing about this this album is is, I don't know if she's Christian or not. I would love to reach out to her, Sal. And I think maybe you and I will reach out to her if we can and see if we get a response. But I don't know if she's Christian or not. I really don't. But And we all know this. Christmas albums are big money makers. They are. You can be a completely non-Christian person and you're still going to come out with a Christmas uh, album. Every,
0: every pop artist has a Christmas. Always, Someone
1: always. Christmas. So what struck me about this particular Christmas album is she didn't pick the usual... I mean, some of them are usual Christmas songs, but the... the right. Okay, so you have these Christmas songs, but right smack in the center of the album is P.A. Yesu from Andrew Lloyd Webber's uh, Requiem, it is a beautiful song and the words are paesu Piesu, qui tollis peccata mundi dona eis requiem dona eis requiem and that means in latin um, uh, pious jesus pious jesus who comes to take away the sins of the world give them rest give them rest and then it goes to Agnus Dei, Agnus Dei, Quitolis Peccata Mundi, Dona Eis Requiem, Dona Eis Requiem, which means Lamb of God, Lamb of God, who comes to take away those sins of the world, give them rest, give them rest. And then it goes Sepiturnum, Requiem, which means eternal rest. What I love about that is that's not a Christmas song. That's that's a Lenten song. That's a song about the sins of the world needing redemption through the, the blood and the sacrifice of, of, the lamb. of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And then that follows, <laughs> that's followed up by Amazing Grace, which is, I mean, what jesus did is provide amazing redemptive grace for us who are wretches right in the center of a christmas album you've got (laughs) you've got the heart of the gospel and 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 what i love about this is whether she's christian or not the holy spirit was definitely working on the order of this album because the whole album all of the christmas carols and songs surround the lamb of god not the baby jesus but the sacrificed, resurrected Lamb of God who gives you requiem, peace, sep eternum, requiem, eternal peace. Um, and it's very dark sounding, the album, but in a beautiful way. And what I love about that is Advent's dark. It's never... Advent isn't this cheery, warm, fuzzy thing. It, it, it's, we live in a dark, broken world. And... In that darkness, we see the light. So this is a theologically just masterful way of putting Christmas songs together on an album. I mean, it's just like, whoa. So uh, uh, Taria, check her out. Uh, We'll have that posted. And then my final piece, and I won't make this as long of a recommendation, but Nox Arcana does atmospheric goth kind of music, and they have a whole winter's winter series uh, starts off with winter's night then goes to winter's eve and then the third album is winter's majesty and each of those uh have dark original atmospheric like wintry feeling uh, they're not dark dark but it makes you feel like you're in the hollow cold of winter uh, and, uh surrounded by christmas songs thrown out here and there and they have a, an interesting quickened paced uh uh coventry carol and they do god Rest Ye merry gentlemen and Car- Carol of the bells is really cool so um so uh, you know amid some of their more original stuff so that's a really cool neat album if you're into instrumental music this is it has some singing on it but it's mostly instrumental and definitely worth a check you know uh, it's definitely worth a shout out and I hope you'll check it out so those are my choices
0: very good choices um look at you with
1: your Latin <laughs> yes I just totally pulled Latin out didn't I yep
0: he totally did. I think he just wanted that as an excuse to show his Latin chops.
1: <laughs> and
0: I'm the one who went to Catholic high school.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know.
0: <laughs> you know what I remember from Latin? No, I won't.
1: <laughs> Probably better you don't Better not. But then again, that's a good segue for our next segment. Shit house theology. <laughs> Shit house theology segment. Oh, yes, friends, it's not going away. It's not going away. Uh, we
0: are gonna this is gonna be a, a theme in our podcast from from time to time uh, They're not gonna I think last last episode we took up spent. spent the entire episode dealing with shithouse theology Today we just want to kind of glance over some, uh, shit house theology.
1: Um, yeah, and I would say that that we'll probably have a shit house. Th- I mean, l- there's plenty of shit house theology out there to be had. We'll never run out of material, um, but we're not going to focus every episode on uh, calling out shit house. So, so we'll we'll have a segment, and we'll name our shit house theology of the month, right. um, and then move on to our our actual our actual stuff. So,
0: um, so my my <clears throat> choice for this month's shithouse theology is it is that time of year it's the christmas holiday uh you tend to see more folks on street corners look at looking for donations uh especially with little red bells and little red jars ding 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 ding, 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 ding. ding, ding. <laughs> you may know what i'm talking about salvation army uh which is a historically protestant uh church um started in england london england um, so now is the time of year when all of my progressive friends, uh, whether they are churchgoers or not, um, usually they tend to not be churchgoers when they post these memes on Facebook. Um, <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> and it's like, okay, that's calling the, the, the kettle black. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, they share th- memes like the Salvation Army is not a charity. They're an evangelical Protestant church that uses donated money to actively oppress gay rights. Uh,
1: um, hmm.
0: So, or, you know, I've seen ones that say Salvation Army is a hate group.
1: Um, no, they... Uh, so wait, you mean to tell me if your thoughts oppose my thoughts...
0: You're a a hate group. You're a hate group,
1: then? Boy, that's a good qualification.
0: So, um, (laughs) now the person who posted this meme, and the meme says, please research before you give to charity. Okay, so can you tell me some other charities to... uh, Right. So, uh, I, in response, posted several LGBT-friendly charities that I thought were worthwhile, and I... My argument is, if you're gonna not donate to the Salvation Army because you don't agree with their theology, that's fine. Yeah, but perfectly fine. You know, rather than tell me what not to donate to, suggest what I could donate to.
1: Agreed, and and the other the other shitty thing about that is is it. Listen, Sal and I are upfront about this all day long. We are affirming open people uh, support the LGBT community. I personally don't agree with the Salvation Army's stance on LGBTQ. I don't know what their practices are in house regarding that, but generally speaking, they do a lot of good. They work. They do a lot of good work. They're they're a Christian organization that happens to take a traditional stance against uh, against LGBTQ. Uh, what they would consider a lifestyle, we see it differently. It's not a lifestyle; it's just who you are. Um, but but that's what that's the stance they take, and and so you know we're going to we're going to negate all of the good they do uh, because they don't line up with me on this issue. Now, yes, it is absolutely okay in my opinion to not support their ministry because you would rather give it to something that that you that goes along with your conscience more. That's fine; nothing wrong with that. But why do you need to call the salvation? Is, let me put it to you this way. Sal, if a person unknowingly goes outside of Walmart, sees the little ding, ding, ding person, and throws in a quarter or a dollar or ten dollars, are they going to hell? No. Are they supporting an evil entity? They are not. Okay, so, so why do we need to tear down other Christians just because they think differently than us? Uh, progress. <laughs> and and what about what about all of the progressive organizations that get supported by progressives that don't meet up fully in line with the Christian theology? Hate group. <laughs> it's sarc- sarcasm. Sarcasm. Yeah.
0: Um, and what and what Todd and I are trying to say is that you have to look at the overarching overall good that an organization does, not just because of one thing. I, because the same mentality. Well, if we should, if we should not support and ban or actively seek to defund the Salvation Army because we don't agree with their position on say LGBTQ, mm-hmm. uh, okay. So, then, what about Planned Parenthood? <laughs> to pull up a progressive side of things, pro- <laughs> <laughs> You know, seventy-five percent of what. Plan to Parenthood does is provide health care
1: education,
0: education, treatment for women Absolutely. across the board. A small fraction of what they do is abortions.
1: Is re- in relation to abortions. Is, re- is in relation
0: yeah. to abortions. Uh, should we defund them completely? Because part of what they do is provide safe, legal abortions.
1: Yes. And, and let's, let's, put this, let's put it to you this way. I I think it's safe to say that every Christian should consider themselves pro-life in the sense that we support the sanctity, we believe in the sanctity of life, whether it be baby lives, immigrant lives, gay lives, black lives, we support the sanctity of life across the board. Um, Where this becomes tricky for progressives is we also support the women's lives, and women have notoriously been... uh, had to in in history historically speaking go down back alleyways to have abortions and so christians will sometimes be pro-choice in the sense that we don't want to see women have to go down back alleyways to get abortions when they need to get an abortion um that doesn't mean that christians want to see people using abortion as a means of birth birth control you know so 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 can we can we at least say okay well we don't agree with maybe every method that 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 uh, Planned Parenthood might have, because they're not coming at it from a religious perspective; they're coming at it from a secular perspective. Do we do we then just completely discount all of Planned Parenthood, toss them in the garbage, and send women back to the Stone Age because of that one issue?
0: Because of that one issue. And I would argue, no, no,
1: no. Um, I'm I'm pro-life, but I'm also you know I I do support. The government's right to give women an, a safe and easy access uh, way of, of aborting a baby when need be, and I think the church and religious institutions can come in and counteract using abortion as a birth control through education, through contraception, through all sorts of different means, adoption—you know—without adoption um, without without, <laughs> without getting rid of Planned Parenthood. Right. You, you, we can we can we can change the bathwater without throwing out the baby,
0: right? Uh, we have become a culture of, uh, highlight the negative, uh, villainize because of negative. Um, the same argument could be made for Christianity in general. Oh, we're not, we're not going to support Catholic charities because of pedophile priests. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Or we're not going to support Presbyterian agencies
1: because of what they did to the Native Americans. Yes. Um, we're not going to support the United Methodists because they banned beer and alcohol. So, Darn it. Well, they didn't, but they helped. Um,
0: <laughs> and I don't. this is not necessarily a theological issue. This is a humanity issue, in right. my opinion. This is whenever you get folks together for whatever reason, you know, the evils of religion. Okay, well, there's also the evils of humanity. Yes, um, yes. That often get disguised or get... Glossed over by religion. So, yes. Um, um,
1: so. So yeah. I mean that's th- so that's a good that's a good theological uh house theological uh, thing. Um, so. Now on to our actual topic, uh, which is Advent and the vital importance of the incarnation. Word to your mother, yo. Word to your mother. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, your Word. mother. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, one of the things that that I think we should probably talk about is just a brief history on Advent. Um, There's some interesting things uh, uh, regarding Advent that I think we should share. First off, um, it wasn't a thing initially in the church. It was not. It was not. Uh, In fact, Christians really didn't think one ought to be um, observing the birth of Christ because that wasn't really what mattered. Uh, it mattered in terms of the incarnation, which we'll get into in a little bit, but it didn't matter in terms of the birthday. Uh, the birth,
0: exactly. The birthday was not the big the big issue. If you look at the four Gospels, um, you know, not all, they don't all include the birth narrative. Only two of them. Only two do. Um, one of them only includes the lineage. It doesn't actually include the... Much of the story at much all. Much of the actual birth narrative. Um and one really doesn't include any of it. Just jump <laughs> straight into his ministry. Yeah.
1: Um, where was I going with that? Uh, well, just that it, it wasn't an initial... It wasn't... The, the center of the Gospels has mm. always been, A, Jesus' teachings, and B, and most it's importantly, his death. Life, death, and resur- yeah, resurrection. Yeah, and his resurrection. Absolutely. Um, so, so Easter was totally a thing from day one.
0: Easter is... And I, I will often preach this during Advent, is that... Hate to burst your bubble, folks, but this ain't it. This ain't the big, the big story. The big story is Easter.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: Um, Christmas has become an Advent and have become the big commercial holiday. I mean, I, I'm thankful that at least Easter has not become as commercialized as
1: right Christmas. Um somewhat commercialized, but, not, somewhat, not, but as. not for Yeah. We don't have a Black Friday part yeah. due. Yes.
0: <laughs> now that would be a good Friday.
1: That would be a good <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um so so that was not always a thing. Uh here's how Christmas kind of became a thing. Over time people, you know, Jesus the incarnation is important, and the the mystery of God becoming human is it's just hard to wrap your mind around it, and it's amazing. And, and so people kind of wanted to celebrate Christmas, um, but they didn't initially. So over time, it became a thing, but it wasn't a major thing. It was like some do, some don't observe it. It really was not a feast day until probably— Well, Christmas as a holiday in
0: America was not really a thing until the Victorian age, the late 1800s. Right. Early nineteen hundreds, we you know the whole, uh, Burl Ives and the you know the Coca Cola advertisements with, you know Santa Claus, um, right. which is a total
1: amalgamation of the real Saint Nicholas. Right. Right. Um, so, um, the history, the overall history, is um, about the third century. Um, uh, the date of uh, Jesus's birth was up in the air. It was like there were people that were interested in it, other people that were like, "Eh, I don't know about it. Uh, Here's a quote from Clement of Alexandria around uh, A.D. 200. There are those who have determined not only the year of our Lord's birth but also the day, and they say that it took place in the 28th year of Augustus and in the 25th day of the Egyptian month Pachon. Uh, which is May 20th. Uh, further, others say that he was born on the 24th or the 25th of uh, Parmuthi, uh, which is April 20th or 21st. So, um, it, first off, it was originally when it was people were taking initial interest in it. They were they were looking more toward uh, spring ish time. Spring ish, and if you look at the, if you kind of line up
0: the scriptures, the, kinda, the narratives that we do have, and the Gospels, you think about it, shepherds wouldn't be in the fields in December.
1: It would be too cold. Right. It didn't become a, an official feast day until, um, I want to say, until Constantine. I mean, it was around Constantine. See, Constantine was a pragmatist, and he he, he and those who followed him <coughs> recognized that, uh, let's put it this way, when Constantine mm-hmm. uh, switched uh the official religion of rome from paganism to to uh to christianity only 20 percent of the population at that time were christian christian the the, the other 80 percent were pagan. pagan and they they were they celebrated a, a thing around the the solstice uh the winter solstice um mm-hmm. called saturnalia and by that time people had uh it, you know in, in rome uh people had already kind of shifted uh well let's put it this way the people were celebrating the winter solstice at winter solstice time saturnalia um because that was the this the longest night that longest day of the year or longest night of the year excuse me um and in essence in the longest night of the year you're looking for what the return of the Sun. Sun. So it was a holiday that that looked toward the coming, the advent of Uh, the sun. sun. And Constantine and some other folks said, well, gee, Christians look toward the birth of the sun, S-O-N, of God. So we could and and Saturnalia is looking for the birth of the sun God, the S-U-N God. So why don't we combine those two together and everybody is making merry at the same time? No harm, no foul.
0: No harm, no foul, convenience, and and hence that's where we got a lot of our traditions of, you know, yule logs and
1: Christmas trees. And And in Rome particularly, the festivities of making merry, a.k.a. getting drunk, (laughs) and uh, gift-giving and things like that. The other thing um, that came from that uh, is as, as Christianity spread through the Roman Empire up into Celtic Europe and things like that. They started to, uh, the, the the more further north you go, the colder it becomes. Uh, so people in the wintertime are, you know, they're sitting around their house listening to howling winds. It sounds like ghosts are outside. They come up uh, through the years with this idea that if you hang holly and, you know, evergreens right. around your house, you're promoting life, eternal wow. life and you're keeping the scary ghosts away from your home because it's prickly. Yeah. Uh, those traditions all ended up being melded, melded in, in to the Christmas tradition as as Christianity started to spread.
0: What did we just north. say about Paul? No harm, no foul.
1: Yeah, no harm, no foul. Right. Oh. Yeah, you insert Christ into the culture, but oh. you you keep the culture. Yes. And so that's what they did. Uh, so that's how ultimately Christmas ended up becoming celebrated just in—I mean, there's a lot more to it, but that's how they ultimately became—we cel- <clears throat> celebrated on December 25th, around the, the time of the and winter was, solstice.
0: And liturgically, it's always been a feast day, um, the Christ Mass.
1: The Christ Mass, yep. Um,
0: uh, just it really didn't become—the the Advent season really didn't enter the, the liturgical calendar until the last 200 years because of the Advent of, oh, let's make this a—
1: yeah, I mean, I would say Advent itself was a thing, um, but but it was, it was solely a religious thing and not a commercial, yeah, commercial thing. thing. It didn't really become commercial until the last couple hundred years. I mean, yes, people were always leading up to... I'm sure liturgically, we were always leading up to the coming of Christ, and that's what we're going to talk about actually today, the importance of that. Mm-hmm. But... But it became commercialized over the last couple hundred years, yes. in a way that had never happened in the history of humanity before.
0: Those even those crazy Calvinistic Puritans didn't celebrate Christmas when no, oh, they came into this country.
1: That's right, because it wasn't because
0: uh, it wasn't biblical.
1: Biblical, right? <laughs> Go, figure. Go figure. So okay, so so that that's a brief history. I mean, that, you know, and I, and I do think it's it's a good thing that we celebrate and observe Advent, but. I think we pay too much attention to the baby Jesus. So let's get the baby Jesus. Let's get the uh, eight pound baby Jesus out of the room, and then we can move on uh, to to the rest of it. So Advent obviously uh, is preparing us, uh, and Advent, uh, by the way, means arrival or coming, like coming like coming to be. Um, so so yes, Advent, in one sense, is looking back at the baby Jesus, at the initial incarnation of the word. Can we open up with scripture really quick? I'm going to open up with scripture. Um, Yeah, because I have it too. Yeah, John chapter 1. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, So John chapter 1, and I'll read through 14. Is that cool? So in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He simply was a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the Word became flesh, or the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So.
0: NRSV, finish that line with full of grace and truth.
1: Full of grace and truth rather than... um, uh, we have seen, uh, oh, we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son, full of grace and truth, which is traditionally how it is. Yeah, the NRSV does that.
0: Um,
1: so it's interesting, actually, that um, oh, you know why? Because they they precede that statement with "He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness" versus "grace and truth." So that's where it is. Anyway, um, so yes, the part of Advent is looking back at the time that the Word became flesh. flesh. Um, the incarnation of Christ is vital. The incarnation of the Word, the incarnation of God, is vital to Christianity.
0: <clears throat> but we, as Christians, are a people of... Yes, but not yet. Do do? R- right, right. We are a people of the future, not the past.
1: Right. And... and um, and we often forget the present as well. Uh, so, so yes, we have. So here's in a nutshell, to to so we can move beyond the eight pound baby Jesus, if he was eight pounds. I'm just going with a guess there. Um, I don't think he was premature, but who knows? I don't think so. <laughs> he could have been preemie. I mean, traveling all that distance. Could have been. Could have been. Um, but all the same, he um, he, you know, this baby Jesus. Um, is is a reminder to us that in God all things are possible in God rests the salvation of the world in God um, we have we have a God that knows what it means to be human knows what it means to suffer, knows what it means to struggle, knows what it means to to feel pain and to die um, so so there is that looking back at the baby Jesus who came into the world and gave us salvation. Why why do, would you say, Sal, it's important to remember that baby Jesus came?
0: Uh, well, it's... Uh, he came and dwelt... The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I mean, that's one of the major things we, we talk about in our creeds. Um, um, it's important for us to remember that because we... We don't believe in some distant, Mm. far-off God who is not active in our life, uh, who is not connected to us. Um, The fact that God came in through human means um, tells us not only is this a God that wants to interact with us, but this is a God that is deeply and ultimately and very intimately connected to us.
1: Absolutely. And... And without baby Jesus, there is no death. There is no resurrection. There is no redemption or salvation uh, because, th- because this is how God sh- chose to show us what it means to be truly human.
0: He showed us the true depth of his divine mercy by being fully
1: human. Yeah, absolutely.
0: As, and uh, as Paul says in Philippians, that he chose Jesus knowing... That he was fully divine did not take it as see it as something to be high above us or
1: um, separated from us, but dwelt among us. Dwelt among us, absolutely. So, baby Jesus, uh, we can now uh, take out to the nursery, and yeah. um, while baby Jesus is uh, getting, uh, you know, fed milk and uh, and being nurtured in the nursery, we can talk about. The present time. This is kind of like Charles Mm. Dickens' uh, Christmas Carol, right? Got the ghost of Christmas past. Now we're on to the ghost of Christmas present. present. Um, So the church, we often look at the incarnation and we think of baby Jesus. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we've unfortunately, it's sad, but the church has unfortunately and sadly relegated the incarnation to being a baby in a a manger.
0: In a manger. Uh, It's the the classic... um, Ricky Bobby, you know, from the uh, the movie. Sweet baby Jesus. You know, he, he prays to baby Jesus. He prays to just about every form of Jesus because he's like, I'm going to go with baby Jesus because he's cute and cuddly. and
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the reality of the, the matter is, and if you hear tapping and stuff going on in the background, that is outside of the window where they are remodeling. Doing some construction. They're doing some construction on, on uh, Sal's place of employment, which is cool. Um, but anyway... The incarnation didn't end with Jesus as a baby. The
0: incarnation, I mean, we like to look at the incarnation as the sweet baby Jesus that Ricky Bobby praised you when he's driving, he's on fire, running around the racetrack. But the incarnation is the flip side of babies they're dirty, they're messy. Mm. Incarnation with God and Jesus's life after birth. Mm. It was not pleasant, cute, and cuddly. It was I mean, in the mud. It was in the mud. It was yeah. in the shit. It was in the like Job. You know, he got down in the mud and with his people and yeah. Um, you know, we like to pray to the baby Jesus because oh, sweet baby Jesus makes us feel so good. So good. He's yeah. so cute. He is oh, cute. Oh, I feel so good this oh, time of cooing. year. Oh, he's cooing. We don't want to think about the Jesus that flips over tables and calls us
1: brood of vipers and tells us to. And reminds us of how mm-hmm. sinful right. and dirty we are. Right. I love the New Living Translation, um, it, where the the Jesus is eating and and drinking with tax collectors and prostitutes, and the and the the Pharisees come up to him. And I think it's in Matthew, but the Pharisees come up to him and say, "Why do you eat with such scum?" And Jesus says, "Well, the sick." Don't need. I mean, the, the healthy don't need a doctor, a doctor. but I've come for the sick. You know, I've come for the people who need a doctor. Um, in essence, we're the scum. I mean, I, I know, that, <laughs> I know, I know. We don't like to think about this, but but the incarnation reminds us that we live in a broken, dark world that needed God's intervention, mm-hmm. and God chose to intervene not by flooding the world and killing everybody within it, uh, but by Entering into it, he ultimately kept his
0: pro- kept his promise to Noah and said, "I will not destroy the world. I will come to redeem it."
1: Yeah, and, and boy did boy did Christ come, oh, yeah. and 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 so, but but again, it doesn't end there. That's that's the new beginning, where where we are presently is, and this is what I love about the, the, the Gospel of John. Um, And for those of you that may have read my newsletter, I apologize because this is kind of a repeat of what I wrote. But it says here, um, first off, it says he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, a.k.a. sex, but a birth that comes from God. In essence... Because you and I and all Christians across the board believe in the incarnation, not only have we witnessed the incarnation within our heart, but we've now become a part of the incarnation.
0: I just made this brought to mind Revelation 21 where uh, John says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And he said from this throne, See, I am making all things new. Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water as a gift from the spring of water of life. To those who conquer will inherit these things, and I will be their God, and they will be my children.
1: Mm.
0: But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the polluted, the murderers, the fornicators, the, the sorcerers.
1: Uh, <laughs> Harry Potter. So,
0: you know, this is, you don't get to Revelation and the fulfillment of the new heaven and new, the new earth
1: without... The incarnation You don't get there without the incarnation and, and you don't get there without the body of Christ and oh guess what the church collectively is mm-hmm. the incarnation it's the body of Christ on earth the representatives the living breathing we are the bodily body. representatives of Jesus Christ on earth, earth. <laughs> which then is a great segue to the ghost of Christmas future sure. because Ultimately, our witnessing of Jesus on earth, our representing Jesus on earth and being the, the physical hands and feet and body of Christ on earth um, is all in preparation of the kingdom to come and the advent, the arrival, the coming of Jesus when Jesus comes back finally in final victory and we feast together at his heavenly banquet Uh, when, when the kingdom of God becomes a reality and the king finally arrives, that my friends is the ultimate scope of Advent. It's not backwards thinking, it's forward thinking.
0: <clears throat> and surely I am with you always To the very end
1: of the age Surely I am with you always Even to the end of the age And that's what I think I loved about Tar- uh, T- Taria's, um album To go back to her Is her album captures that In the order that she does the songs She captures the fact that it's the, At the center is the incarnation And all things go outward From there And And Yes, the baby Jesus is an important part of that, but it's not the only it's not the only part and it's not the most important part. If it ended with the baby Jesus and that's it. That's it. All right. It's that's a cute little story. Cute story. Not worth not worth
0: you you Todd and I giving up our, you know, our lives to be follow our calling to that's shepherd right. people towards that's right. this end. Um, you know, that's countless right. Countless folks who have lived and died for this faith.
1: That's right. Um, and Revelation twenty one that 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 Sal just read. That is that is the fullness of the scope of the incarnation. That's the fullness of the Advent scope. That one day we will be living with God, and God will be living with us, and we will be children. And the 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 gates to the kingdom of heaven will be open and wide, and anybody can come in. Uh, to those gates and out of those gates, but no one, no, no evil, no death, no, no um, sin will ever be able to enter in. Entering.
0: That is the uh, and that is the importance of that line from Revelations. I am the Alpha, the, and the the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, the advent, right, and the end, right. The, um, con- the conclusion. The conclusion. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a reason why we, when we, uh, I don't know about Utah, but when we celebrate the Eucharist, um, when I celebrate the Eucharist, I tell the folks before I distribute the elements, I say, this is the gift of God for every time we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the birth, life, and death, and
1: resurrection of our Lord, of our Lord Jesus, yeah. till He comes again. Yeah, and I would say the beginning, the Genesis, right? Uh, in the beginning, Genesis, um, the Genesis uh, for us in terms of awaiting God's salvation plan happens with baby Jesus. That's the that's the new beginning, mm-hmm. um, but but that's not the ultimate arrival. That's that's the first arrival. That's the kickoff. That's the kickoff. And then, then those, more and, as more and more people re, uh, become to Christ and, and receive the good news of Christ's salvation and receive the good news of the coming of Jesus um, and the coming that has yet to come— <laughs> Uh, more and more people will enter into that relationship with Christ, will be transformed, will be reborn, not through uh, sex or through physical means, but spiritual, spiritual means as children of God. More and more people will be a part of that incarnation, will be living embodiments of that incarnation. What God did, man, it, man, it's like an infection, right? Like, and it spreads. And the more it spreads, the closer we get to the coming of Christ and the kingdom of God.
0: Right. Okay. Um, it's important that we say, "Until He comes again."
1: Until He comes again. Yeah. Um, and and He will come again. Yeah. I think that the the communion liturgy for us in the Methodist Church is. Um, uh, Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ so that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. Um, it says, uh, um, and let me, uh, I'll find the uh, actual liturgy. But it, t- it, it talks about how um, make, us, make us one with each other, one... Uh, one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ returns in final victory, and we feast together at his heavenly banquet. So what you've got there is Christ, the the original, the the incarnation of God, right? God made flesh. You have the body of Christ, us, the, the living embodiments of that incarnation, still breathing and living and, and serving in this world, and then the final victory where we're all together around the table the as feast. a family. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I think that we
1: the we Calvinists and
0: Methodists share that liturgy together. I mean, yeah. It's, it's that shared common goes back to the Church of England. Yeah? Um yeah. that liturgy. Um So I mean that's that's pretty and it just you know, it's like the, the lyrics from the Petra song, he came, he saw, he conquered. Mm. Uh the verses he came, he saw he conquered death and hell, he came, he saw he is alive and well, he was, he is, and only he forgives he died, he rose, he lives, he
1: came, he saw, he conquered excellent. yeah, amen. So I think that wraps up our our advent talk. Uh, I think the, the the point the point of this all is to say, you know what? don't just look at baby Jesus, don't just go for the cheap easy, feel-good, warm-and-fuzzy Advent experience where we await the, the arrival, the advent of yeah, gifts.
0: gifts. <laughs> oh, the gift from heaven. Right,
1: right. You know, the gift from heaven or the, you know, oh, baby Jesus, and oh, they, the wise men gave gifts to baby Jesus, so let's give oh. gifts to each other. No, that's that's okay. You can enjoy that, but that is not what Advent's that's about not what it's at me. all. you...
0: Just look at what the wise men brought to Jesus in the (laughs) narrative.
1: So so pleasant. So pleasant.
0: Gold for a king. Gold for a king, some frankincense and some myrrh. For a priest. And and
1: myrrh for his death. Yeah, so when we anoint him, we'll anoint him with myrrh. Yeah. yeah, See, frankincense was something that they used for purification, purity, uh, in the temple. Uh, myrrh was something you used to anoint bodies with, so they didn't stink so bad when they died, when they, died. When they decayed. Um, so you're anointing bodies with myrrh. So he literally got his kingly gift, his priestly gift, and his death yes. gift. Yeah. So um, let us let us uh, be reminded that um, that that the we are very much a part of Advent. We're we're not Advent's not something we we just we observe or we reflect on or we celebrate. Advent is something we participate in because Christ has yet to come in in full glory and in the full uh, fullness of God's kingdom.
0: Um, <clears throat> some of my my favorite part of the the Easter story is at the tomb when Mary and the disciples come to the empty tomb, and the angels say He is not here. Yeah, why are you looking for the the living, living among, among the, the dead? dead. Yeah. Um, and Jesus, Jesus even tells Mary, do not hold on to me. That's, that's right. Go. I have tell not yet brothers. ascended to
1: my father. Yep, yep. Go
0: and tell my brothers. Um, so that's the whole point of Advent is he is not here.
1: Yeah. The story continues. The story continues. Uh, he is here. And yet he is here because we are here. And it, it, we cannot take the we out of this, and, and that's what we like to do. We like to say, "Oh well, Jesus did it because Jesus was Jesus." But we, we're not a part of that. No, yes, we are. And the kingdom of heaven will not fully come until we do our part. And we till we do our part. Amen. So there you have it, Advent in a nutshell. Um, uh, now we can go retrieve baby Jesus from the nursery and, uh, you know, listen to the coups. Listen to the coups and watch some Hallmark (laughs) movies that try to tell us it's all about lattes and... That's right. (laughs) So, um, before we let you go, uh, some shameless plugs. Um, first off, if it's okay, Sal, I'd like to give a shout out to our friends, uh, Evan and Drew from the God and Whiskey podcast. Uh, I was invited on as a special guest, uh, to talk about, well, guess what? Advent <laughs> and the importance of the liturgical calendar. So, uh, I definitely would love for you to check that out. Um, I'm not sure if this will be released before that is. So, if it is, um, I will we'll do a shout out somehow, some way to it, so you can check it out. But um, but uh, definitely a shout out to those guys. They're cool peeps. Um, also, uh, check us out on partyonjohn.org, okay. uh, which is also on iTunes. Spotify, Spotify and Google Play, wherever you find your podcasts. Yeah, wherever you find your podcasts. We're not on SoundCloud or those things, but the major...
0: The
1: major outlets. Major outlets, yeah. Um, also, I uh, I would love for you to check out my podcast uh, at Lifegiving Water, uh, Lifegiving Water Devo, D E V O dot org. And again, those are on all the major podcast outlets as well. So, anything else you have to say, Sal? And you can find find Todd and I on social media
0: through Twitter. It should be linked to our um, our party on John Gas.
1: Should be, yeah. Yep.
0: Um, Check out. You can check out my. I think I'm gonna attempt to bring my uh, my blog back uh, black belt spirituality
1: definitely um, it's that .net it's uh, through google so google blog yeah um, we're going to find that for you right now give you a, yeah. and we'll post it on the episode notes of course as well um uh let's see here so it is
0: blackbeltspirituality.blogspot.com
1: Okay, blackbeltspirituality.blogspot.com. And, and right now there is a cool picture of Sal's new, uh, tattoos. new tattoos. And by the way, I'm totally newly tatted as well, and we'll post pictures of those. Rock on. We'll link to that as well. Yeah, we'll link to that as well. Um, so, yeah, I, friends, it's been great having you join us. Uh, it's a total party here at the Party on JohnCast always. Um, and, yeah, till next time, I say rock on. Rock on. Word to your mother. Word. As in the word made flesh. Word. Word. Uh, In the meantime, be excellent to each other. And? Party on. And? Don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. That's my line. (laughs) I know. I was trying to give it to you. Don't be a jerk, guys. Rock on.